0: You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Hello everyone, my name is Nathan. Thank you for watching. We have a few moments here together to uh, talk about the word of the Lord. Uh, if at all possible, if the Lord will help me, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to in some way serve you, to help you in your your journey, help you in your pursuit of the presence of God. And I am talking uh, about that subject, that theme. Uh, last week we talked about how we, there's a difference between how we, uh, we, we observe God uh, as His greatness in the earth, His creative power. We are an observer of God. We see Him in the heavens. We see Him in the seas. We see Him in the earth. Uh, but then we are a witness of God. We have a personal experience with God, Now, if you're watching this, most of you probably are church people, and you, many of you may have spent most of your life in a church, and so you have learned to see God in the worship with which you are comfortable. Now, this isn't just you. This is me. This is everyone. Uh, we run into error when we tend to think our experience is the only way people can experience God. Uh, I want you to know that teaching about experiencing God can be difficult because you're different than I am. And I don't want you to feel as though I am trying to put you in my cookie cutter. Um, However, if you grew up serving the Lord with a certain set of songs, uh, if you grew up worshiping worshiping the Lord with a certain style of music, then those things, those ways, those styles become sacred to you. Uh, You have hallowed them. You have made them holy. That's good. That is, as it were, a way for you to walk. Um, However, leave room in your heart for people who grew up singing a different style of music. Uh, And most importantly, uh, leave room in your heart for people who don't have that inheritance of style and they're building their own. Uh, They're finding their own songs, they're finding their own way. Um, Leave room in your heart for them. Otherwise, we're always judging other people's purity, not our own. We're all the time judging whether other people's style and tradition and habit is right uh, on the basis of whether or not it looks like ours. Now, this is just spiritual immaturity, and Christians need mercy, too. Um, saints need mercy, too. Church attenders need mercy, too. Mercy's not just for sinners. We are all of us sinners in our flesh, and we are all of us made holy and righteous, by the redemptive work of Christ, where we have a trade, our unrighteousness, for His holiness, and then having been covered by the blood, we begin to incline our heart toward Him as an act of love and worship. Uh, We are now children. Our place is not in question. Uh, Now it is a journey of the heart. It's no longer a servant relationship. Our place is not at risk. Uh, You can be a, a A good son, a bad son, but you have place with God. You have been adopted by God and now you incline your heart toward him as an act of love, as a way of worship. So uh, I want to talk for just a moment on how we experience God. Now remember, we observe his works uh, and we're witnesses of his presence. Uh, We experience, but not everybody has a long tradition, shall we say, of good church um, sacred music, uh, righteous fellowship. A lot of people are finding their way forward, and I want to. I want to say to you, um, those of you who are pursuing God, I honor you in the name of the Lord. Um, it's easy for someone like myself, who's been serving God for many years, to rely on a formula of, shall we say, uh, sacred pursuit. I know I'm spiritual because I go to church. Um, <laughs> That can, be, that can be a trap. I can make an idol out of something God once used. You can see this in the story of the children of Israel. Something that once was used by God is now an idol and they're no longer pursuing God, they're pursuing this idol. The idol has become a substitute uh, for God. So those of us who have been serving the Lord, we have to break up the, the fallow ground of our heart. We can't just have a, a hobby horse um, that we do without thinking. And that is why when we come to church, it's so important, all of us, those of you who've been serving the Lord for some time, don't come to church bored. You miss the point of it. It's almost as though you've made church your relationship with God. It's become an idol to you. Church is an aid to you. You come to church and you correct your heart as you enter the doors. And you say, wait a minute, God's been good to me. I'm coming to church in worship and praise. When they sing that first song, you don't think, oh, uh, that song again. (laughs) Well, I mean, you may, but that's the wrong way to come to church. You say, no, what What are we saying? What are we saying to God? This is my approach. This is my way to God. This is how I, these are the things I'm using, the tools I am using to direct my heart uh, toward God. And so how do we experience God? Well, thinking about this, I realized, uh, because not all of us are the longtime churchgoers, I needed to take a step back and try to speak in terms of, a larger understanding. Um, One of my favorite Christian or religious philosophers um, is a scholar by the name of David Bentley Hart. Now, like all scholars, I don't share all of his theological foundations. um, And uh, that said, he's more learned than I am, and um, I would be terrified to have a debate with him. Um, But even so, um, I, I find in his work a just a beautiful, beautiful understanding of not just uh, the individual experience, but the foundations of, shall we say, uh, being, the foundations of philosophy, the, the, the refutation of the atheist, the refutation of the critic, and the sanctification of the, the individual's pursuit of God. And so uh, he wrote a book in, entitled The Experience of God, and he's just a, a beautiful thinker, a gorgeous writer, um, and he narrows it down to three things. And when I, when I, I have this book, um, I refreshed myself upon it, and I just, again, anew, afresh, was amazed by uh, the beauty of uh, his, his logic and uh, his approach. Uh, he narrows it down to three things, being, consciousness, and bliss being, consciousness, and bliss. And he says all of these are experiences of God. And everyone has them whether or not they acknowledge God or they exalt God. They can use these same things, being, consciousness, and bliss, to exalt themselves, exalt someone or something else. Everyone has these uh, experiences of God. The first experience is being, um, you are not an inanimate thing. You are not a beast in the field without reflection or insight. Within you, there are worlds. Uh, there are, uh, the fact that there is something rather than nothing is not just a testimony of God, it is an experience of God, and God has freely given it to us. The reason why there is a heaven and an earth. Uh, This is a question that science cannot answer. Science is is structured to disprove um, of necessity because it's always answering the question of causality. How do we know what we claim to know? Science is a good thing. Science could never try to answer why is there something rather uh, than nothing? I know they will, but that's not a scientific question. That's a philosophical question. Why is there something? And the fact that you exist, um, being is the first experience of God. This is what the apostle was trying to say when he said in him we live and move and have our what? Being. The first experience of God is that you are questioning the nature of your existence. Uh, It is an experience of God and that's why in the feeling of it is a sanctity. In the feeling, feeling of it is a beauty. And don't be such a church person that you miss the beauty of the fact that there is anything at all. Uh, I want very much in my life to have a sense of every moment is the gift of God in my life. And so this becomes um, the fact that there is an existence, uh, the whole earth is filled with His glory. That's not the same thing as pantheism. Um, Pantheism, basically, to, to make it simple, is yes, there is a God, but God is the stuff around us. Um, it's kind of like a type of materialism um, with uh, elevator. <laughs> um, there, pantheism is God is the trees, God is the ground, God is. It's not that God is expressed in these things, um, that would be closer to Christian um, or a theistic. Religion, any religion that has a a, not just a higher power but an ultimate power, a theistic religion, um, comes from. um, Well, let me not get distracted. So uh, here we are trying to see not just God is in the ground, but this ground exists because of God. It is the a manifestation, an expression of God. But God is higher, Um, and so now uh, the fact there is something being is a testimony, a testimony of of God. Everything that exists speaks to God. Uh, It is filled with the glory of God, and out of nothing becomes something. So God speaks in tension, and out of chaos and disorder comes something. So that's the first creative act of God. God speaks, and out of nothing comes something. And then God sees that this Creation is even so disordered and chaotic. Sounds like a testimony of the individual soul and heart pursuing God. You have creation, you have being, but there's a spiritual chaos within you uh, 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 expressed as the deepest fears and anxieties of your mind and your consciousness. And so uh, now uh, you have the next step. Out of being comes consciousness. Now I think one of the most powerful ways to uh, view this is to remember some dream you've had where the first stage is nothingness and then there is this image, there is this almost type of chaos and uh, how shall we say, image and maybe even some emotion but there's no understanding, there's no order to it. But at some point you take a step up. Now you know you are having a dream so the first part of the dream was or the first start, the first yeah moment is you you didn't you, there was no consciousness, and then there comes a consciousness that you don't understand it 's just images and and uh, like shapes against the wall as uh, the Greek philosophers would say, and that's all it is is shadow and light and then there comes a point which is a step up where you think i 'm in a dream that's a much higher um, <laughs> That's a substantially higher place of consciousness than the one that was before it, just as image light, shadow was much higher than nothingness. But you are, you are rising out of this, this, this state of nothingness, uh, no being. Now you have being, and then you have a sense of consciousness. I'm in a dream, and you're trying at that moment You probably ate too much sugar and didn't get enough sleep the night before, and you're trying to get up, and there's like a monster on your chest, and you just can't get up. You're trying to go from, I know I'm in a dream, to a state of wakefulness. And this is, I think, uh, one of the most powerful insights to uh, the the necessity of consciousness um, in experiencing God. Um, Out of a dream state into a waking state. And so consciousness becomes... Our second experience of God. Everyone everyone has this. Uh, Well, everyone, you know what I'm saying. Um, There might be some people who are in a comatose state. You you know what I'm saying. Um, We pray the Lord to bring them out of that. Um, So you have consciousness. This is a testimony, more an experience of God. You are the handiwork of God. Um, You say, well, I don't know if God exists. Well, how do you know you exist? Um, This is an experience of God. Um, This is, uh, there's deep, deep foundations to uh, what we can know, how we can know anything. Uh, But once we get out of the chaos and we become a conscious being, um, we are, an, we are as experiencing God. You are not a beast in the field without reflection, without insight. You are, you are now a being upon whose essence God has been stamped. You are the testimony of God, and you have worlds within you. You are a conscious being. You have worlds within you. You can, by the act of will, intention, choice, you can go this path, that path and more, you could imagine the different paths you might go. Do I go back to school? Do I start a business? You can imagine this and more. It's even, it's even beyond that. You have the ability to empathize with other people and other people's journeys. You can place yourself uh, in a type of mental uh, empathy in their shoes. And you can weep with them. You can cry with them. All of this is an experience of God. Don't rush past this just because you're a church person. Um, you need to see that all of this is the goodness of God. All of this is the, the gift of God. You can experience God with more than just, you know, the song you grew up singing, although I love the songs I grew up singing. We have to see that all of this testifies of God and you are experiencing God. The fact that there's something rather than nothing is the testimony of God and it is an experience. secondly, conscious awakeness, uh, wakefulness, I should say, is an experience of God. And it testifies to the glory, the glory of God. And now you begin to emanate that which reflects of Him. You are a creator of self. You choose different paths. You tend a garden, an inner garden, of who you will be. And you have the power of name. You name your world. You define your world you choose journeys to destinations all right so finally the last experience of god is bliss so being consciousness and bliss now this is where uh, church people uh we start feeling more comfortable and you're like well pastor Naina, finally you get to what i thought you were talking about <laughs> okay we're finally at bliss now bliss is more than church uh but but church is a powerful way it is a biblical way to pursue an individual experience of the presence, the presence of God. Uh, but experiencing God as bliss is also beauty. Um, beauty, as um, David Bentley Hart, said, Hart says, is gloriously useless. <laughs> uh, it has no purpose whatsoever, and yet it moves you. This is an experience of God. It has no purpose whatsoever. It doesn't pay the rent. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't keep the rain off your head. It has no purpose other than it moves you. This is an experience of God. Same for uh, hearing. That there's beauty of seeing. There's beauty of hearing. Music has no purpose. But it touches something in you that's so powerful that it will provoke worship in you. This is why our society worships singers and rock stars. musicians. and There's more than rock stars. There's country music stars. There's hip-hop stars. You get the idea. Um, So this is so provocative of God. This is an experience of God. Beauty has no point in a materialistic universe. Now, when I say a materialistic universe, I'm referring to uh, those people who doubt the existence of anything beyond that which can be uh, seen, uh, measured, weighed, they, they only believe in a material universe. They do not believe in a supernatural spirit realm. They don't believe in uh, any realm of existence other than what can be measured um, in a scientific manner. Um, I'm not unsympathetic to those people. I just choose because I'm a person of faith. And the path to that step beyond is faith. You would not be right to try to prove God scientifically. Uh, that just shows you don't understand the nature of divine being and what it could be, uh, at least that's my take on it. And uh, let's continue. So um, we we take a step beyond in faith and we see a realm beyond this realm, a world beyond this world. In faith, um, a materialist says, "No, all I can see is what I can measure, uh, what I can scientifically uh, prove." But how can you scientifically prove beauty? Uh, it must be experienced. How can you scientifically prove um, that, that indescriptible emotional uh, storm <laughs> uh, that arises within you with beauty, whether it's something you see and you stand over a glorious vista of nature and you're almost struck dumb by it. I've been with people who, uh, on, and being exposed to nature, literally break down and weep. And the first time, that I, I don't experience it that way. I experienced with awe. They, they broke down and, and just wept. And I thought to myself, oh, the, you know, interesting. I, I don't do that. But they're, ra- they're right to do it. Why? That's who they are. Um, I have wept to music. Music is so, so expressive. All of this is the experience of God. And none of this can be shown scientifically. But it is a testimony of the experience of God in the individual life. Uh, the bliss, the the beauty, the glory of all of all of these things. Further it is that goodness, we are moved by goodness. When someone does something for us that we couldn't have done for ourselves, when someone helps us or bless us, I have seen videos of people saying thank you for someone giving them an organ that saved their life. I have seen videos of people saying thank you to a family because their life was saved because the family um, allowed a loved one's um, organs or something like that to be, I don't know the details of the situation, uh, to be donated, and they're trying to say thank you. How do you say thank you? This is goodness. How are we moved by goodness? Goodness is not scientific. Goodness can't be measured. Goodness cannot be weighed. Goodness is outside the materialistic universe, and yet it, it is an experience of God. Now, all right, I think I've made my point. Now I want to take you to how you have an experience of God in your life. I want to encourage you to see him in the fact there is something rather than nothing, being. I want to encourage you to experience him in the majesty, the inexplicable consciousness of the human mind, which heretofore is unexplained by science. scientists. Maybe someday they'll do better than they're doing now, but so far they're not even close. Um, and then lastly, a bliss, where you experience not just God, but you experience things that science can't explain. Bless. Science can't explain it. But you experience it, and it testifies to you of the glory, the glory of the glory of God. Um, and all of this is the capacity to see God. All of it is spiritual. All of it is inexplicable. All of it is mysterious. All of it here, I'm going to use a big word, is numinous. It's It's mysterious. It can't be... It's beyond. It's not in the world of materialism. It is um, beyond. How do I, having acknowledged all of these things, having seen the handiwork of God and all these things, how do I pursue His presence? Um, I want to give you two principles. I'm going to try to to explain each one as um, kind of a a spectrum. All right. The first one is surrender and acceptance. This is a spectrum of you surrendering to God. a spectrum of you accepting his lordship, accepting his glory. And this is really the first principle of experiencing God. Uh, if you've been around church much, you've seen people who tried to pray without surrender. And I, it's almost a waste of everybody's time. Um, there is this this surrender of self to God, this casting of oneself upon God. Um, and it's really hard to be be reserved and hold back some emotional truth within ourselves and then say we are surrendering and accepting. Now, so the first one, and I'm giving it to you in two words because it's kind of a spectrum, uh, uh, surrender and acceptance. It is in this phase where we repent. We surrender, we accept. There's something else that happens in this in this phase, this first step toward God. I'm calling it a spectrum between... Uh, surrender and acceptance there is repentance and there is confession all of this is part of this first step toward God coming to the end of yourself and taking one step beyond in faith and you go into the surrender acceptance repentance confession not me you not my way your way wash me cleanse me make me more like you less of me more of you I must decrease, you must increase. All of this is the first step toward God. Um, It's going to be different for you than it was for me. You're a different person. But this is the first step that you need to make, that I need to make. We make this step toward God. And so uh, this is where we start Uh, with our deepest longings and I'm talking about how you experience in the presence of God in your life and it's really hard for me because I'm not you it would be really hard for you to tell me all you could do is give some guideposts some direction Um, I could pretend like if I yell at you long enough then you'd have to do it and maybe you'd get exhausted and you would (laughs) I can pretend like well if the praise band gets it just right that'll do it well uh, um those are all helps that's not what has to happen. That's all almost like a, it's just an aid. It's not the thing. The thing is surrender and acceptance, this step of repentance and confession toward God. Not me, you. Not my way, your way. And you take the deepest longings of your heart and you give them to God. This is how you experience God. What is the deepest longings of your heart? And how long has it been since you've given them to God? All right? This, the next thing. What is the deepest shame you have experienced in your life? Think of the moment of the deepest shame of your life. The most painful shame. You probably hold that within yourself. That's the wrong way to carry it. You've got to give it to God. Surrender, accept that He is the right place, to, to the right person to give it to, the right... God isn't a person. Uh, I'm trying to say something. <laughs> you you give that to god so what is your deepest your deepest longing you've got to give it to god what is your deepest shame next what is your deepest fears think about it what is your deepest fears you've got to give that to god do you see and lastly what is your deepest desires so these are This Your first step toward God. This is how you're going to open the door to God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. But it's not a literal door. It's this. You've got to give these things to you that that you've lived. These things that you have. They make up who you are. You give them to God. And this first step is surrender, acceptance. It's you opening the door. It's you saying, okay, less of me, more of you. Come into my life. Um, And so this is... The moment where your emotions will break within you. Because you're giving God the most painful, the most shameful, the most profound things that make you up. You're giving them to God. And you're accepting that you don't have the answer to Him. Only He has the answer to Him. If you can do that without emotion, I just want to say, I don't understand. I don't know how to help you at all. Because when you give these deepest things of yourself to God... That's when emotion will come into your expressions of, of surrender to God. You almost, almost you know, almost can always tell when someone touches true repentance, true surrender, true acceptance, because something within them, as it were, the floodgates open, and they are truly open to God. So that's the first step to God. Your next step is going to be praise and worship. Remember, I'm giving to you a kind of a spectrum. Praise is when I say true things about God, whether or not I feel them, and worship is when they roar out of my being. I am subsumed by them. Worship is when I feel in my essence that what I am saying is true. Praise can just be almost a thoughtless acknowledgement, yeah, God's great. You're praising the Lord. That's not worship. You can't worship without being moved in your heart. It's the step beyond. Um, and it's going to come through the full integration of who you are, your spirit, uh, joined or acknowledging or exalting God's spirit. Uh, so this is the spectrum of praise and worship. And this is going to be where, where we, we we clap our hands. This is going to be where we lift our voice. This is going to be where we call upon the name of the Lord. This is that next step of um, not just us surrendering, giving him Us. We are now glorying in him. We have been given who he is. We experience his promise. We receive with confidence and faith his word. And we now, as it were, celebrate what has already happened. Do you see? And so this, I think, is the best I can say of how anybody can begin to experience God in their individual life. They are connected. And I want to try to end with this. Um, So if the beginning is the surrender to God of the deepest pains, the deepest shames, the very things that are formative to you, you surrender them to God. uh, And you believe that he is going to hold them and heal you. He is going to do something with them you can't do. He is the corrective actor (laughs) in your life story. Um, you are the defective actor and he is the corrective actor in your story, you now are going to connect everything he is doing to praise and worship to who he is. And so this is how I do it. I would recommend you try it. So as I offer to God my deepest fear, I don't just give it as an act of surrender and submission. I give it as an act of acknowledging that he's the one who can heal me. He's the one who can fix me. So my greatest fear, whatever it is, I give it to God and then I say, I wanna praise you, Lord, because you're the one who can bring peace to my fear. I wanna worship you, Lord, because you care. So I have connected my surrender and my acceptance, that which broke me emotionally. When I did that, my deepest fears, it broke me. I have now connected it to praise and worship of who God is. So my greatest fears, I praise Him because He is the one who soothes my fears. My greatest pain, I surrender and I praise Him because He is my healer. And I speak His glory, His beauty, His power. And that, I believe, is the bliss of the believer. That place of exalted praise and worship Magnifying God is the bliss of the believer. We call it good church. We call it a move of God. All that's fine. We call it, you know, um, the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit. All of that is good and right. But the point of what's happening is I have surrendered and, and, and surrendered. I've accepted my my circumstances, who I am, who God is. I've surrendered who I am to God. I've given him the deepest, most meaningful things of my experience. And then I've connected those things to praise and worship of who he is and what he has done. And in that moment, it is though the heavens are open and I experience the greatness, the glory, the glory of God. Now, when you do that, when you do that, Uh, The Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you. The gifts of the Spirit are gonna begin to work in your life and for you. The Spirit's going to begin to speak to you. You are going to be moved upon. You're going to have a personal testimony of the Holy Spirit in your life, which will have a transformative effect on your confidence and your hope. But the point of it is, is this is the way I would recommend to anyone to pursue the experience of God the experience of his presence. So that's enough for now. Lord, be with your people. Bless them, guide them, empower them. Let us be rejoined together this coming Sunday to exalt your name. The person who's unable to join with us, Lord, I pray that they would know they're connected to our church and they would know that we want the best for them and our our hearts are filled with affection for them. We, We don't want them to let isolation be their sense of the people of God. Lord, bring us together, protect us, exalt us according to your will. Protect us according to your will. Manifest your name through us according to your promise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, we love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them.